Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome to the third and final installment of our annual Cinema Spooktacular the 3. The third annual. Well, you three, just, three, you, three, six, six, you six. You just oh. fucked up the reveal. It's the Sorry. Cinema Spooktacular 3, the search for spook. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And uh, we've got the, we, we saved the best for last, literally. Uh, yeah. All three of these films were interesting. Some of them were, uh, they're ambitious. Uh, two of them, I think, are unabashed successes. Uh, one I have problems with, but it's still an interesting, spooky, spooky thing. Uh, there's some definite spines being tingled here. Um, I thought we would change things up and talk about, <laughs> since I like all these movies, um, and I know some of these definitely are going to be ones that people haven't seen, I thought we could just uh, begin with a real brief non-spoiler discussion of each one in turn, and then we'll do a deep dive later on, and people can use the time codes in the podcast description to jump around as they wish. That sounds nice. Uh, so first up, I we watched Girl, the Girl with All the Gifts, mm-hmm. which I had heard a couple of times on Reddit mentioned as a really good zombie film. Yeah. Uh, this was a film made in 2016, directed by uh, Cole McCarthy, which was this was his first um, a major movie, okay. and it was written by Mark, or I'm sorry, Mike Carey, who wrote the novel of the same name back in 2014. And this movie is essentially The Last of Us, the movie. Right. Uh, if you're not familiar with The Last of Us, its take on its twist on zombie lore was it's a fungal infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, cordyceps, I believe, is the type of fungus that infects many different types of insect life. And this is a real thing. It's a real thing. And okay. like it, the the things this virus do, the, this fungus does is crazy. Like if you're if you're a bullet ant and you get infected by this, it causes you to irrationally climb to the highest surface clamp your jaws uh, onto it and then die there in which case a spore emerges from your head shortly later and then you're up at a high place and it carries the spores on to other places to infect Mm. it's an inherently creepy concept and it gives a like the first like real this isn't reanimated these aren't people that are reanimated from the dead this is a fungal infection that will be fatal and it's very contagious and the video game is really frightening. And a year later, this this novel got uh, written. <laughs> so that's the premise of the movie. Um, it's post-apocalyptic. So we're about 20 or 30 years into the future. Yes. And humanity is just really hanging on by a thread. And uh, the, the movie, I don't want to spoil anything, but it opens with this bizarre scenes of children being restrained to these like armored wheelchairs. Right. Yeah. Their heads strapped down, their arms and legs strapped down and being wheeled into a classroom where yeah. they all cheerfully greet their teacher. One of them in particular. But I really appreciate that they do this thing where because coming off of watching the Golden Compass, mm-hmm. where every scene is just exposition, right. this just lets it slowly unfold in front of you. Yeah, no one explains shit to you because why would they? They're in this mm-hmm. world that makes sense. You mm-hmm. have to just observe patiently to kind of piece together what's going on. I thought all the performances are really good. Uh, this movie was made for under $4 million, yeah. and it looks pretty amazing for yeah. all that. And it's got an incredible cast to it. Yep. Um, and So, I mean, if you're not familiar with The Last of Us, I think it's still a, a interesting new story you'd appreciate. Yeah. And even if you are interested in, in The Last of Us, it's a pretty good... It's it's It shares a lot of the DNA, Um and but yet it, it has some crucial kind of twists and changes on on the central premise as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the only thing that the only thing I can say negative about this is there are a couple times in the plot that requires the heroes to act unfathomably stupid. Um, in right. especially given the context of this world, for the events to continue to transpire. Right. You do have to squint your... It makes you really think about the rules yeah. in a way that I don't want to. And that might be... If the, I got to think about some... Get rules lawyer on a movie yeah. I'm watching, I don't... I, I, I read some discussion that might imply that a lot of this stuff is directly due to the adaptation of the longer novel, that mm-hmm. they did some narrative shortcuts to get the essentially the entire story in. So, fine. But it, I just like... Every time I see stuff like that, I'm like... I. I feel like a couple a couple more days of elbow grease mentally on the pl- on the script, and you could have smoothed that stuff over. But yeah. otherwise, it's a really great zombie flick. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, highly recommend it. Let's talk about Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, this is a 2017 Mexican crime fantasy film 
I thought this came out this year. No. Uh, I think it's just got a North America released through Shudder mm-hmm. and I think the Roku channel. Um, right. This is a t- this is a, a, this this movie requires a bit of digging to find. I do know that Shutter uh, gets uh, you get a, f- a free seven day trial, which is how we f- watch this movie. Um, I this was on our list. You had put it on our list, and I'm like, Tiger's not afraid. It, I don't know what that sounds like. Are we not cats? And I had right. a mixed I had a mixed opinion. Are we not cats? But then I I read the synopsis where. It's uh, like a ghost story involving uh, a Mexican city that's been ravaged by the drug war. And I'm like, holy shit, that sounds like an amazing experience. And yeah. I really, really love this movie. And it's it's been haunting me for days. Yeah. And I have a bad habit of slipping in like mostly psychological horror thrillers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I thought that this would be a lot of that. But it's a lot like it has some of the same DNA as Pan's Labyrinth with mm. the imagination of children and what's real and what's not real. But it's I, I loved this movie. I think it also shares and this this might be a bit of a spoiler if you think too much about it, but it also shares a lot of the DNA with what lies beneath in you know, the relationship between the spooks and the protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this the the thing about this movie is it's 90% a very young child cast. Like these, like I think the oldest is uh, kind of like a Millie Bobby Brown type. She might be 12 or 13. Yeah. All the way down to like a four or five year old. Right. And, and amazing actors. They crush every fucking thing that mm-hmm. they have to do. It's unfucking believable. Seeing these little kids running around with guns, uh, seeing them, you know, ha- you know, like this. The, the the. It's funny because it opens up with um, a school shooting. But in this, it's not some deranged maniac just going through. It, this is just a, a, a neighborhood caught up in a drug war. And then mm-hmm. the little girl goes home and she like just passes by dead bodies that the police are investigating. Mm-hmm. It's it really I mean, that's one of the reasons I like it, because like as much as I hate movies that I think glorify the, the drug culture, like uh, what's what's that movie? Sicario. The Sicarios um, or like make it look cool or badass. I really like shows like the bridge or um this one that kind of lays bare like the real horror that we subject the country to um and no large a small part because of our our drug enforcement policy which mm-hmm. makes us also miserable back home it's it's a it's a hell of a thing and and this 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 movie does a great job at illustrating that cost and also has some solid like creepy things solid like environmental horror solid uh psychological horror and just some really good ghost effects right um yeah i i i think this movie is the is my i think it's it's my favorite movie from the spooktacular this year owen is yeah okay yeah it's uh yeah it's a good stack of three especially with midsummer upcoming but this yeah i don't think i've ever seen anything like this movie before so highly recommend it's worth it's worth checking out uh shutter for seven days i think that um I'm also I'm hoping that we can get to see a little bit of creep show because we watched a couple yeah. trailers for we we got interested in the creep show because of Rob Schraub's, um involvement on Harmontown and mm-hmm. he's direct, directed and ri- written one of those episodes and it looks like a lot of fun yeah like a lot of class return to classic creep show anyway uh, we also saw the horror hit of the year 2019 uh, written and directed by Ari Oster Aster Oster Midsummer. <laughs> Midsommar. Uh, this is the second, or this is the first movie that he released after his 2017 Hereditary. Hereditary, right? I had a very mixed review of Hereditary, uh, and I find myself having a very mixed review of this. Like, there's a couple points in the movie where I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be really fucking good. This might be like the witch good." And then there's a couple points in the movie where I'm like, "This fucking movie is completely lost to me." It's wild. It's over the top of for a lot of it, but yeah. and it's got genuine scares. And I think that it could benefit from some deep digging because there's a lot of like symbolism and runes and. Uh, rituals happening here, which I think a lot of them are real in some way, uh-huh. but have been remixed into this. And it's it it was good. I mm-hmm. liked it. 
I mean, there's shocking imagery. There's stuff that's very uncomfortable in this film, and it's like it's it's also very long. It's like mm-hmm. a two and a half hour movie, and I guess there's a director's cut, which makes it about three. Yeah. Um, and I I'm kicking myself because I just found out that that got released on Blu-ray literally yesterday. Right. So we could have gone for the three hour <laughs> version, and I'm never watching this movie again. So oh, okay. I I just I don't know I. Like I said, I I found myself swinging back and forth between this movie's excellent and this movie's crap, and it's and I just kind of landed in the middle at meh, and it's largely because of the same reason Hereditary. I just don't buy that anyone acts the way anyone in this film does. Mm-hmm. Like in isolation, and there's some the, the the best parts in the movie I think are like the really uncomfortable and terrible relationship amongst the main characters. The best parts are? Yeah. Like, that's the, the, the best part. It's kind of like it's some of the best parts of Mother, where it's just yeah. very, very uncomfortable and bad interpersonal interactions. Right. But, yeah, I just don't, like, when... I, it's it's, it's kind of like in Friday the 13th, the first time Jason kills someone in a cabin, everyone should just leave the cab. Everyone right. should just leave the camp, right? Like, there's... This is... This is a Friday... This has a Friday the 13th problem, but it wants me to take it seriously. Right. It's it feels like a lot of the problems between those two mm-hmm. are what propelled the movie into motion to begin with. Well, so it needed to be there. But um, but yeah, this, I, I still think I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth watching, especially if you liked Hereditary, because I know a lot of people did and a lot of people overlook the problems I had with it. It didn't even detect them. Mm-hmm. So uh Definitely check it out. All right, time for housekeeping. And guys and gals, I'm not going to lie. There's just too much good TV to keep up with right now. Too much for any one human to keep up with. Yet, we valiantly try. If you want to keep up with any of these, just search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. We Do is our Watchmen podcast. Two weeks in, it's been a total delight. We're giving it the full treatment, instant live take and talk podcast for club members on Sunday night and a full podcast with recap and analysis each Tuesday. Pickle Me This is our Rick and Morty podcast wrapping up a season three coverage. It releases every Tuesday. This week, we're talking Morty's Mind Blowers with Ify Wadue from the Maximum Fun Network. He's a really fun interview, and we talked about whether we should stress about shifting dimensions. On our podcast, 2-Bit Encryption, we're covering the twisty and turny final season of Mr. Robot, the world's premier show about hacking, mental illness, and social alienation. Full podcast recaps every Wednesday. On American Horror Story Podcast, we are covering season 9, the 1984 season. Comes out every Friday morning. Cecily and Alexis of Pin Y fame will be covering his dark materials on Bald Move TV starting on Monday, November 4th. But you don't have to wait now. You can download their coverage that they began last week with a review of the 2007 Golden Compass movie. Finally, if you're in the mood for spooky stories to tell in the dark, check out our newest feature, Lunch with Jim and Aaron, Reheated. This is where we release our five-year-old club member-only lunch podcast for everyone to enjoy. This Thursday, we have the classic lunch where Jim and I turn off the studio lights and tell spooky stories from our childhood. Can your spine handle the tingle from the tale of the church on Joppa Road? Check out this week's Reheated Lunch and find out. Once again, if any of those sound good, just search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find them all on baldmove.com. Let's, do you want to get into uh, in depth of these movies? Yeah. Let's, let's start back at the girl with all the gifts. This is now going to be spoilers from this point forward. So if you want to hear our opinions about a particular movie, just use the show notes to jump forward into that time, uh, the time gap, time deal, time, time code. Time code. The girl with all the gifts. Uh, so this movie is really good. Um, the main actor, the the, the lead, uh, Sin, Sinya uh, uh, Nanua, uh, is another one of these like child actors is just killing it. Um, uh, what else has she been in? I think this is her day. She was in a short film before, so this is her mm-hmm. feature film debut. Yeah, and she she really has a comp. She has a very tough job that you know she's playing a child zombie that can lose control and eat people but she's very sympathetic she also has to sell the fact that she's like a genius level intellect i think all of the kids with the fungus are might be i think they're all you know how they were going through the periodic table in that way to demonstrate that the whole room had had that kind of advanced skill so there's second generation of these fungal brain hmm 
baby. Some of the kids were obviously struggling with the material, and and she was. I mean, maybe they're still just kids, I guess. Right. Yeah. But some of I thought the twist here was going to be because she has this this uh, darkness to her, I guess. Uh-huh. Or you know, we know that everyone hates the kids, and nobody can relate to the kids except for this one teacher who almost dies from doing so uh-huh. at a couple of points. What I, I thought, thought that, that was she really would excellent. turn out to be, you know, evil in some way or that the fungus, she was more fungus than she would be human. So mm-hmm. that's what was really, you know, doing a, some social manipulation. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that was one of the excellent parts is by introducing us from the child zombies POV, we really got to kind of hate some of the humans and for probably completely unfair reasons because you it's like 20 to 30 minutes into the movie before you see like why these kids are being restrained because they look like just normal children they're treat they're being treated like jeffrey dahmer and they're being dehumanized like people pointed to refer to them as it and as abortions right that's what they're they're like you know like round up the abortions and like jesus fucking christ but in the context of this film uh and they're being vivisected you know like just awful things happening like how in the fuck are people justifying this and then you find out uh, later that uh you know were it not for this hormonal blocker that the the humans uh, apply every day that these things instantly turn into savage flesh-eating monsters as soon as they get a whiff of a human and the the physical transformation they go through where they start chomping their their eyes roll back in their head and they start chomping their their teeth is yeah. is pretty horrific. The clicky clacky noises. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. Yeah. What uh, these kids? These kids they have doing it. It's so visceral. I loved Glenn Close's kind of like button down scientific Cruella Deville that she's playing here. Evil old Ripley. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you know, these aren't children. These are funguses pretending to be human. Um, and so the like, like at the. But you're the right. Back- she to your point, she does treat Melanie differently in the beginning. And always like Melanie is more gifted than the rest of the children. Yeah. Because I just re- I just remember that she would come to her and ask her for like numbers. And then those children mm-hmm. would disappear. Mm-hmm. I wondered I wondered why why she was special like that though uh, and i i think that like um having her play this random number game was like maybe glenn closest character way of guaranteeing that she would be around last because she kind of knew instinctually that she was special and she didn't want to i mean I it's know. not a hard puzzle to figure out whenever between one and 20 there's exactly yeah. 20 of you i yeah. mean yeah she figured it out within yeah, one number <laughs> yeah you're right you're right i i I don't know. Maybe I, she was just like extra sociable. Maybe. But like, that's the thing. It's like, if they were so like, how many times I did, th- th- there's still a lot of things that are not clear to me. Like how many, ver- how many times have they gone through different groups of children? Because she intimates that she has done this a lot and, but she's really close. And in fact, uh, when she vivisects this girl, that it'll be the last one that they have to do. Like this is, this is the cure. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. So Melanie was special again because she kept she keeps repeating this uh-huh. throughout the whole movie. You know, when Glenn Close gave the number four, or when she gave Glenn Close the number four, she knew she'd be chosen mm-hmm. for something, and she like really didn't want to do it, but mm-hmm. she did it anyway, and made sure that Melanie was the one that came with them when they escaped the compound. Yeah, yeah. And no, Melanie they're... can also stop herself after one feeding, and she's satisfied. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things I don't think maybe I I I, need, I wouldn't mind watching this again to try to like test some of these theories out, but like that was kind of my Im- imagining that this has been because also the main character uh, of the the teacher played by Gemma uh, Arterton, Gemma Arterton, Gemma not Gemma, uh, Gemma Arterton. Um, she said, "I'm tired of doing this." Well, it's like if this is only one child, so they must have had several classes and several. But, uh, but also she had the naivety of a teacher that was newly hired or transferred to this station Yeah, or like I said, there's... The, there's. And also we join the story when they're within one day of being overrun, their defenses are so low and they're running out of the gel stuff. I mean, you begin... Yes, you're right. But it's like that's like holding the, against the movie that they're beginning it at like the most crucial juncture. No, no, no juncture, I, I meant you know? that it's that far advanced in the uh, in the apocalypse, if you want to call it that in the processes experiments they've been doing that they've Mm -hmm. been doing it for so long they're running out of supplies their defenses are falling it has to have been happening for a while 
Um, oh, speaking of the fall of the base, uh, there was a young soldier played by Naomi's. Uh, oh, the actor yeah. that plays Naomi on uh, the, the Expanse. Expanse, which uh, I thought was kind of nice. <laughs> she gives a little, uh, little, little, little role there. Um, little but one, she dies. <laughs> there's a lot of just I feel like really dumb decisions. Yes, that propel the plot forward and like things that just don't make any sense. Like there's this base that's being overrun by soldiers and it looks like as soon as like you know like these soldiers are just getting ganged up by all these crazy fungus infected humans and then uh jim arterton is just kind of wandering around not getting attacked or killed at all um in fact she seems like more under uh in danger by like the soldiers themselves which causes uh melanie to freak out and attack one of them which is the first time i think she tastes human flesh mm-hmm. i thought that was going to be a real turning point for her character but it turns out Nah, not really. Nope. Like if she, if she's uh if she's not hungry, she doesn't have to eat you. Uh, yes. Even with all... or without the blocker. Yeah, but she's mindful about it, about who she chooses to eat yeah. even when she's hungry. Yeah. Um which makes her the special one? Yeah. Uh but they do things like there's this one scene like as soon as they get out of the base that so they evacuate with the most racist against zombies sergeant uh two or three kind of like the guy from fronts. hot fuzz which the, is hard to get over yeah the guy that plays the twin the, the <laughs> twin kind of creeps from from hot fuzz uh-huh. uh glenn close the teacher melanie the zombie girl and two or three other faceless grunts are just going to be killed along the way mm-hmm. um and they have they keep engineering these events like they they the they stop to clear a tree from a path and the the, sta- the sergeant says clearly, make sure we're silenced because we don't want to make a lot of noise out here. And there's this guy walking around with his rifle with no silencer on. No a zombie silence. shows and he fires. Bark, bark, bark. Not even that. I think it was just a, cr- a tree branch crunched and he just turns and yeah, shoots. Yeah, he was overreacted nothing. and didn't check his target. And I'm like, well okay dumbass on him for shooting but like literally everyone could have been like hey yo you don't have your silencer on yeah do you see these big seven inch cans that we got on the rifles and we can all visually it's like you don't have one it's not like he drew his like service sidearm uh and like fired it's there's only three of us we'll check each other i check you you check him you check me (laughs) yeah and then there's like later on like uh so glenn close's scientist character um they they they're in this uh, they go to this city and there's a really tense scene of them kind of sneaking through the city of these zombies because it's it's very much like, well, we've got the scent blocker on, and these are kind of like zombies in standby mode. As long as we move slowly and we don't make eye contact, we'll be fine. Um, but And they get through it, and there's this big mass of dead zombies in the center of the city that have grown into this big fruiting mass of fungus. And there's all these seed pods, and Glenn Close explains to Melanie that, like, uh, if one of these things would rupture open, it'd be the end of the world. And Melanie's like, well, what if they, or, or like, w- how do you rupture them open? And, like, Glenn Close takes and smashes one on the ground. And I'm like... <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> I get being a scientist and being very sure that this seed pod is tough enough to do that, but, like mutations are a real thing like what if this thing's coding was like a little bit weaker like i've i've read a thread on reddit like you're talking to a girl who has fungus growing through her brain right now yeah yeah but i've read this thread on reddit where it's like scientists are talking about like shocking science experiments that have gone wrong like for example there's this old um like to demonstrate like a um like some something about the insulating properties of water steam or a scientist will take his hand and get it like submerge it in water and then dip his hand into a cauldron of boiling lead and the water instantly flashes the steam right and it insulates your hand and if you do it quick enough like you don't get any lead on it and you don't get burned um but i'm and i guess sci- i guess science teachers Terminator? do this and i'm like but why if you do something oh, extremely you, wrong... I was freaking out over here because I thought you were about to tell me sometime it well, went wrong. Well, one guy said there's another one you can do where you take liquid nitrogen and you take like a teaspoon of it and you put it in your mouth and you like balance it on your tongue and it just evaporates because it is literally floats on a layer of its own sublimation. Uh-huh. But this guy said that like when he did it, the vapor in his mouth tickled his throat and it, 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 no. it, he reflexively swallowed it. No. He ended up being in an emergency room for like three fucking months getting his throat resectioned and i'm like again glenn close 
I'm sure you're 99.9% .9 sure that this seed pod cannot be ruptured on the ground, but if you're talking about the death of all humanity, what the fuck? What the fuck? That's the biggest uh, balancing liquid nitrogen on your tongue of all time. Well, here's the thing. Do you think that Glenn Close was also, you know, trying to subliminally, subliminally telegraph to her, or not subliminally, subliminally even, I can't even say the word. Was Relatable. she trying to telegraph to her that, you know, this is a kill switch? Like, if I die, nobody else is going to do this. So you may as well just I don't let know. the spores go and take over. I mean, it's because she's yeah. right at the end. The next generation is humans who are better. They're oh, adaptable. So, so, so that's they're the evolving quickly. So that's that's the twist. I was going to go through talking about some other moments where I, no, no, there's I a, one saying, other moment that drove me idea? crazy. Yeah. So they let one of their faceless dudes mm -hmm. out to forage. Uh, one of their faceless, um, you know, grunts out to go sca scavenge for food, and they show him how to go out the front door. And he goes same out with his rifle. Same guy who didn't suppress his rifle. Same guy who didn't suppre suppress his rifle. And then, like literally 15 seconds later, Melanie's like, "I'm hungry. I need to go eat." And they let her out the thing, and I'm like, All right. it, 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 it turns out this didn't happen, but that's isn't that the fucking stupidest thing you've ever heard? Yeah, like, it's like, I'm going to go take a shit, uh -huh. and then you come in, and you're like, I'm like, can I take a shower? Yeah. It's kind of occupied right now. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Except for, like, instead of shitting, you might, like, tear someone's throat out. Yeah, like, probably the two things aren't going to touch, mm -hmm. but does it need to happen at the same time? Because why? Um, but the twist is that there is the second generation funguses that, like, and they talk, there's, this, Jim would love this scene, because they talk about, Glenn Close talks about finding a hospital Zombies. right after the fall of man, where there's all these babies that are covered in blood and they've ate their way out from inside their mother. Some babies. And these second generation, these children born in a world uh, of fungus people have a symbiotic relationship rather than a parasitic relationship with the fungus. Mm -hmm. The fungus confers upon them a lot of advantages, um, like they can hold their breath because they don't need to the, the, the fungus uh, metabolizes it for them. For over a thousand seconds, did you say she caught it? Yeah, because that's something that like um melanie would do for for fun while she's locked in her cell she you don't understand at the time but you later appreciate that she's like experimenting with holding her breath um and they they have a lot of other advantages but cl the, the 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 chief one is that they can think they're not like crazy um they have an irresistible compulsion to eat flesh but other than that, they're they're as, as sane and capable of intelligence as you or me. And there's these packs of feral children out in the wild that's like some perverse Peter Pan. Yeah. Where they lay traps to like find uh, humans and they use complex hunting tactics. And it's really kind of vicious and amazing. Yeah. And I want to say it's smart and not stupid that they also do things with their hair and wear clothes in a way. Yeah. They have like they don't have language because no one's taught them, but they definitely have culture and a way to communicate. It's very primitive. But right, I, like I could see them seeing mannequins or cereal boxes and uh -huh. knowing that you put clothes on, do. But like the shapes that they paint, I, I, I would love right. to know the cultural significance. And I, yes. I kind of want to read the novel because I wonder if they get into any of like the, the these tribes of children's mm -hmm. like politics and culture. Right. Right. Um, but Melanie um, has is kind of like because she's I think she's larger and stronger and she's more educated and smarter than these children. So she's able to um, essentially become the alpha of the pack. Yeah. But there's this there's this point where Melanie realizes that that's trying to like this. There's no point in saving these humans and saving the humans through a vaccine will necessarily destroy this new form of human uh, life. And mm -hmm. also you're just always going to be on the knife edge because if these spores release and you're dead, Melanie, like the twist at the end is she, uh, the, these spores, um, only open in cases like of moisture or fire, oh, wait, which you're is just a real, gonna, you're just going to skip over the fact that she beat that little boy's head in with a baseball I bat. Said she became the alpha. She, yeah. She went, the, no, that, that little girl screaming and shrieking and like physically dominating these yeah. other children and then beating the one's head in with a baseball bat. It was fucking insane yeah just a shocking act of violence for melanie something she really hates that animal part of her that has to kill uh -huh. to eat unless yep. it's an animal mm -hmm. uh and just uh, the savagery of that and just the lord of the flies type of children 
behaving in a way that they shouldn't ever have to is yeah. so one of the most shocking things yeah in the movie um but that the, the, so so it's it's kind of like um this is is like an i am legend moment that the vampires are going to inherit the earth the zombies are going to inherit the earth and the, like the last scene is now the teacher they've completely flipped places the teacher is now isolated in this cell that's hermetically sealed. And then this doesn't make a lot of fucking sense because how the hell is she going to survive? If she ever walks outside, she becomes, but she, uh, Melanie's using her as this captive teacher to teach the other zombie children, uh, like the alphabet, how to speak, how to talk. Mm -hmm. And you can see kids at all different various stages of education. Some of them are just being tamed out of the wild. Some of them that can like make their letters. And you got the idea that they're going to rebeat human civilization, like one feral child colony at a time. Yeah. It was interesting because, you could see within the children that Melanie had her own system of being able to see how far along their progression was. Like some of them are wearing the sweatsuit jumpsuits and mm-hmm. some of them are still wearing bones in their hair. Yeah. Like, the like, oh, like did they, did they earn their, I, I couldn't tell if like some of them are like children she saved from the army base going back to do that. Or some of them like, is it like you earn your red hoodie when you can, use your words yeah uh but yeah, yeah when you bring teacher can of beans <laughs> yeah it's it's the first kind of like uh well i mean i guess 2019 is a pretty good year for uh this year is a, a pretty good year for me seeing a bunch of difference because like the kingdom was a very different take on yes. zombies this and- is a very different take on zombies it just is amazing that you're still able to say something new with zombies mm-hmm. in th- this this late into the zombie cycle. Yeah. It's fewer and far between. And like Zombieland 2 is the opposite of that, where it's just like completely out of ideas. But there are ideas out there to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we move on to Tigers Are Not Afraid? Yes. This movie is haunting for two reasons. One, it's gen- it's got genuinely scary ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, who are disturbing and essentially the, the, since the protagonists are children we've talked about this on other spooktaculars children are the perfect ta- uh, target for spooky things because they're naturally innocent they believe in ghosts anyway and there's a scary thing that it's one thing for an adult to be menaced by a ghost but child is just inherently scarier Yeah. Uh, so now you get this, this, this whole pack of children being terrorized by these ghosts it's a very scary concept and the third thing it's got some shocking violence yeah I was going to say that the other thing that's, that's haunting about this is just these children they're fucking thousand yard stairs and the things that they go through and how sad their existence is yeah like it pains me to think about how these they got this kind of performance out of these children yeah yeah and to know i mean that's the other thing is to know that this isn't this isn't like a dystopian future this is the reality of a lot of parts south of our border yes this is really happening in places like there are whole towns that are taken over by these vicious cartels and i mean just do google you know cartel violence to current year and you will see just unimaginably shocking horrific things and these children raising themselves and it's so sad that like the girl their their school gets shot up uh, she goes home and sees a couple dead bodies. She gets ha- to home and sh- her mom just never doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she gets hungry and a day and a night passes and her mom's still not showing up. And she knows what's got happening. Right. But it's like a, a, it's it's her fear of going outside into the streets versus the hunger in her belly. Yeah. And it's just really fucking sad. Yeah. And we know, I mean, we know what's happening. We know what has happened immediately mm-hmm. because there's this trail of blood that follows her home after the school. Yeah, that's that's when the conceits is there's these rivulets of blood that are like navigating like Tron light cycle straight lines up walls and they, they kind of foreshadow death. It's kind of, I feel like it's following her around and maybe leading the ghosts to her. Yeah, at some point. yeah, it's like I, I would love to see this movie again, too, because I wasn't entirely sure what the metaphor with that is. But it, right, if, you, if it's just a creepy detail, it works on that level. Yeah. And you could see the dress that was hanging out to dry that had the blood blossom out of the chest as mm-hmm. if, you know, we that's what happened to her mother, which we find out is exactly what happened to her mother later. Yeah. But they have this thing where like um, this one, the 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 leader of the child gang, Shane Shine, um, steals this gun and cell phone from one of these Sicarios early on, and it turns out he wants to keep the gun because that's power on the streets. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he can protect his his brothers. Um, but he also 
the cell phone is something that puts them in danger because there's proof that one of the local politicians is tied to the gang on that. So mm-hmm. it's causing children to be persecuted throughout the city, but he won't give it up because it's got these, this cartel also abducted his mother. And I guess they take pictures of all the women that they abduct. And it's the only picture he's got of his mom, yeah. which itself is like so fucking sad and tragic. It really is. Cause uh, it's not a great picture that you want to look at. With no, memories, it's, but it's the only one. Yeah. And at the same time, Estrella has these three wishes that her teacher gave her. I for, yeah. For, totally uh, forgot about that concept. When the, there was that school or that school shooting outside, she yeah. gave her these three pieces of chalk which were her wishes and but they're like the monkey paw type of wishes yeah and in that moment that teacher knew and thought she was going to die Uh uh-huh she did not but it's just it was so effective in that way yeah um and how like i love the the monkey paw aspect of it where the wishes kind of came true but like with horrific consequences or very scary Mm -hmm. ways um and I, there's also like some moments of like genuine joy, like when the children flee. So they're staying on this rooftop, but then the uh, the Which cartel is, members. It is kind of cool in the Lost Boys way. They yeah, built their own they little thing. They had this thing. like a permanent pillow fort, and like that one little boy is living in a television. TV yeah. with his own like light strung up in there. Yeah, and they've got this mythology, like the. Yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, but they flee from that place, and they f- break into this. Um, essentially mansion it's you know like where wealthy people lived back in the day when this was a thriving city you know you can kind of see it it feels very lord of the rings it's Mm -hmm. like when the uh, the fellowship is tromping through one of those abandoned old citadels of the numenorians you know it's like look at this grandeur that once was but they're just like completely they're they're running around and say they they wanted a place with a zoo and a soccer field but this place has a koi pond which they're super charmed by, and its basement is like full of soccer balls, which they start decorating. Yeah, um, and there's like places like that where it's just like really kind of funny and charming and almost Goonies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got uh, like when the littlest kid gets shot and killed, yeah. uh, and them just when any of the kids get shot and killed. When any of the kids get shot and killed, but like the littlest one especially, they're like little funeral ceremony, and then when he shows up as a ghost and talks about being cold, and he's got this like the little the little toy tiger he always the carried around tiger, in life is now so this animated spirit too. He's kind of like a Calvin and Hobbes type. He yes. makes me think of that. And he's already seen some things, so he's mm-hmm. not speaking. Yeah, he's traumatized. His entire life has been just absolutely brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's the... So that's what I meant by having this... um, What lies beneath vibe is that, like, the scary ghost is actually um, an ally to the protagonist and uh, trying to warn the protagonist. And, um, you know, it it keeps on saying, like, Australia, bring them to me, bring them to us. And it's uh, it turns out the ghost. What the ghost is trying to say is like the cartel has this old, I think hotel, abandoned hotel where they are storing the bodies in the basement, and they the children eventually decide to give the phone back to the 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 lead politician slash uh, cartel member Chino Chino, and they they he he wants to meet him back at this murder place because he's going <laughs> to murder some people, including them there. Uh-huh. And it all winds up that Australia f- falls into the corpse hole, which is extremely, extremely scary. But then out of all the bodies, her mom, who's wrapped in this plastic bag, reanimates. And it's like scary, but it's also like no longer threatening because it's, she, it's her mother. And we know it's a friendly ghost now. And she gets the bracelet from her. Yeah, because there's this bracelet that like Australia's always wanted that has uh, birds uh, on it, mm-hmm. and her mom says, "Well, I'll give it to you when you're a big girl. I'll give it to you when you're a big girl." And now, like, magically transfers from the mom's wrist to hers. She doesn't want to be a big girl. And then, you know, Chino gets lured into this pit by the cell phone that he's chasing, and the door slams shut, and you don't see, but you hear what the ghosts are doing to him, and it seems like uh, he got served out fine. Yeah, yeah, it's. Oh my god. <laughs> Lots of tears, lots of scares, lots of held breath. Uh, yeah. This and this am- is by far my favorite uh, movie that we watched during the spectacular. Yeah, it had um, amazing. I mean, even the amazing effects. Yeah, was what I was gonna say. The blood and the the graffiti coming to life. Those are all, and I love the way that Shine would 
just use the graffiti as his own kind of diary. You know, leave memorials yeah. or moments of happiness yes. of him and his game. All that mural of what, of him painting, like um, saying goodbye tomorrow. Right, because they're oh. still kids and they're still playing games and. And, you That's know, having moments of fun in between. They have these t- super tough exteriors, but then, like, when they're places where they feel safe and secure, they instantly turn into little kids. Right. Which when is, they watch TV, they're still watching cartoons. Yeah. And... Which is a huge sorrow factory if you're <laughs> an adult, like, sobbing at some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and this... it just also makes you wonder, you know, what happens to Australia at the end of the movie. Yeah. Because where does she go? She it didn't seemed get... like a fantasy sequence. Like, I wonder if she actually made it out of there or if she's in the afterlife because she right. walks past this real whole ass tiger into <laughs> this like endless Elysian field. Yeah. Which uh, could represent happiness and, uh, you know, her getting out of the city. But, like, yeah, what is the prospects of her? Maybe she'll try to cross the border, the border, and get asylum in the United States. She's locked up in a cage in in uh, Texas right now. Yeah, yeah. There's it's a couple th- things I don't like. I want to go back and see if I can figure out like. There's this little dragon that's kind of like in that 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 is also kind of one of her totems. That's it's following. It's her part around. of the case. It's part of the phone case. So that guy's phone that they were carrying oh, around, really? he had this bump out dragon. Okay. So the dragon would escape and fly around and then it would come back. Like one scene, you see it reattach. Is that, so is that, is okay. And, and the okay. birds she follows are the bracelet Yeah, 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 apart. I got that. Okay. And the, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what the blood rivulets are, are actually doing. Um, I don't know what they're doing either. Is that the violence connected to the children or is this the ghost influence or? Yeah, it starts, it starts with, I think it starts with the tiger that Shine is looking at when he can't kill, uh, what's, whatever that guy's name, Kako, when he can't Mm -hmm. kill him. That's Mm -hmm. the first time we see the blood, Mm -hmm. but it's not connected to Australia at all. Uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's worth the seven day trial on Shudder, um, Hell yeah, it is. Check it out or fucking download it uh, if you can find it somewhere. I don't care. It's it's it's, it's a movie movie worth watching. Uh, let us talk about. A lot of people wanted us to see this back when it first came out. Wanted it to be a bald movie. I forget why. What scheduling conflict or what other movie we saw instead. Um, but we eventually saw that we knew this was going to be one of the crown jewels of the spectacular. It turns out it's the it's the final one. It's the hammer. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel it's a this, flower crown, not a crown jewel. It's it's a giant heaped up three story flower crown. <laughs> I, I I just found the same problems with Midsummer as I did with Hereditary, which is I don't buy. I have a hard enough time buying that a cult like this would exist in modern society. But then when I have modern society people enter it and they see these people killing themselves in this bizarre fashion and then it's it's uh, and committing suicide and doing all these like bizarre rituals with i mean who what what who stays here who the right. fuck stays here um the the things i found really effective about the movie was the just terrible relationship that the protagonist had with her boyfriend and how like passive aggressive nice guy this guy was to all of his friend circle like, it's just so fucking awkward to watch, like, the first third of this movie because it's nothing but this guy who doesn't love this girl anymore, but he's too much of a pussy to break up with her. And he's too much <laughs> in love with the idea of him being a good guy that, well, I can't possibly abandon her now that her sister's committed right. suicide and took in her parents out with her. Right. It's- he's, like, season one Andy from Parks and Rec. <laughs> I feel the complete opposite of you on both of those points. One... Uh, the way they got here and uh, ancient cults or not cult, yeah, cults and rituals per- being pervasive into modern times, I think is really interesting. Like, what was the name of that? The Forest? I think it was the Netflix one from a few years ago where I, the four guys go hiking. Yeah, yeah. You should see that one. Yeah. It's interesting Maybe in a way. In a way that's like, uh, like the the. The thing there is that it's backwoods people that have never joined society. So it's a little different from this, where these people, presumably outside of this nine-day festival... No, no, no. They always live in this insular community. So it works for me. I just don't know why they would ever allow outsiders in to take part. Or why they don't try to make them take part more. Uh They allow these people to come in as uh, students. 
Well, I mean, the, the villagers make sense because they know they're all going to kill them at the end of this. I know, but wouldn't Except you make for... them like more part of the rituals? Put them in like white dresses more, and because you know, I, how would yeah. it have gone for the main protagonist if she did not win the dance competition? Would she just have been killed as one of the nine? I don't know, because that's a good question. Because the May, her being the May Queen, and they just assume that she's uh, become one of them because. I think she did too, but why did we not see any other previous years May Queens? <sighs> yeah. It makes you think that they die as part of the ritual. Yeah. I there was a lo- lo- dialogue where one of the the male Swedish cult members mentioned that his his sister had won the May Queen previously and I f- but oh oh, here's the reason. This 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 ceremony only happens once every 90 years, right? Yeah. It's yeah. There's this this circle of nines. Yeah. So like, I think that like you like every year they have a festival on in, in, in Midsummer where they all the seventy two year olds die and like all the eighteen year olds move to the summer house and like they, they, all that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. But like this is a once in a ninety year kind of like grand jubilee type of cycle. Um. So yeah, I guess like it was ninety years since the last May Queen, but but also like. I don't know. They 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 show photographs of them, and it's not like it's a hundred years ago. There's like multiple. Yeah, it photographs. can't have been. Yeah, I I think this movie would be good for a second watch. Isn't it watch. once a I year for nine days? It. Well, I thought they said there's something maybe about every this nine happens. years for nine days. Maybe they only have to bring outsiders because that's the other thing is if this happens every. The only reason I was on this plot to begin with is I thought it was an every ninety year thing. If they bring in six. Or I'm sorry, oh, four to point. six outsiders every fucking year and slaughter them. And they all like last people last we knew we we're going to this cool winter, weird it's, summer festival in Sweden. There's absolutely no way this cult would be right. They were exist. very specific about where they were going, what they were doing. They made it clear that there wasn't any like Internet access. But right. there was one of three places where he was going for his thesis project yeah. to study specifically midsummer rituals. You're right. And there's all kinds of evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Just check that tree. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And there's like a, f- a couple other things I didn't, I thought were dumb. Like, for example, that guy peeing on their sacred tree. Come on. He's, he's kind of portrayed as an asshole, but holy shit, that seems really dumb. He's just fucking oblivious, and I don't buy it. That's part of the ridiculous thing, is that just within the last 30 minutes, you saw them scooping ashes into that tree. Yes. Also, it's the tree is visible from everywhere. You're right. telling me you can't go into the woods a bit and like pee on a different tree? Yeah. How about I th- the bathroom was closer? Yeah. At uh, this point, it's just you're being aggressive. But but this this whole thing, like once they got to the point where the old, like I thought the movie was really working well and like is really creepy when the old folks defense-strated themselves. I thought that everyone was going to be horrified, but it was going to be too late to get out because now they're part, like, don't you know you're part of festivities? Yeah. But when everybody's kind of like, hey, you know, uh, we got to respect other people's cultures. And so I'm just like, no, get the fuck out of here. All right, you guys are stupid. You guys are now just teenagers in a Friday the 13th movie, and I want you all to die. Right. Uh, like, the- and, and that's the thing, like, for me, like, compare this to... um the tigers are not afraid those children are all maximum sympathetic i care deeply about every single one of them as individuals i wanted them all to live and succeed and fucking thrive and this movie all the protagonists i want to die within 30 minutes of the movie starting there's you can't generate horror when there's no connection to the main cast exactly exactly like you understand that she's already in a weak place at the beginning because as her boyfriend explains to his friends, he's, she's bipolar. Her sister has some issues, obviously. Maybe her parent, their parents have some issues that they pass down to them. Yeah. But the way she just swallows her boyfriend's shit. And then you find out later they've been together for four fucking years. Yeah. In four years, neither of you figured out that this is not working in a very painful way. They even say, and a bit of exposition when they're having pizza, that they don't even have sex. Uh-huh. It's, it's, I want, I want the best for her because she's got it tough, but she's making it hard on me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think those, I think that, that the thing is, is I think those relationships are, but I guess fairly realistic but it works because now she's got maximum excuse to stay with this tribe mm-hmm. forever who can go through all of her pain with her like literally 
with right. her. Like their style, their ritual cult style of like love bombing is exactly how she operates in the real world. Like, oh, you guys are just cool screaming at ever louder in, in people's faces in ever louder cycles. Like, oh, I finally feel heard. Like all this weird um maladjusted like you need some therapy and medication behavior in the western world as as seen in this swedish cult as like oh this is just how we do things i just don't i just don't understand why she came she you know she's on the phone with a girlfriend who seems pretty supportive at the beginning uh-huh. you think you run it by that girlfriend like hey i'm going to sweden for a month do you think she would listen to because i think there's just no telling this girl I don't know. I'm trying to think like, if I like would do that to any of my friends. Her and 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 Christian, the the male protagonist, if you can call him that, are just like bad ideas incorporated. Um, and that's one of the things is like this guy, he, he's just too passive aggressive. He is afraid to he he offends his girlfriend because he's afraid of what the guys will think. But then he offends his guy friends because he can't say no to his girlfriend. He's just got zero spine. And then they threw in, like, in the midpoint of the movie, the idea that he's going to try to steal the thesis from Chidi from the hap- uh, from the good place. Yeah. I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Uh, this guy's just a piece of shit. I don't, I don't know either. He just wants an excuse. See, I'm thinking Chidi was and also, definitely studying and horrified, but also fascinated in the Etchestrop, yeah. uh, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, The old people dying. Uh-huh. You, he knew what was going to happen. Because Did he? Yeah, the night before they were like, "Tomorrow's the Etchestrop," and Chidi had this look on his face like he wasn't going to tell them, but he knew. And because it's a real thing, I think he knew. But yeah, but and I thought I he that... thought it would be some kind of symbolic ritual rather than like actually people die because he was horrified their, when like, he actually faces saw it. hammered in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's a Ho- fucking asshole for not warning her and letting her sit that one out. Because again, I still think he knew. It's not like her family died in a car accident. Her family just died in a horrific way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also, I think that the boyfriend Christian. I think he might be just fascinated by it. And I think maybe it's the allure of the redhead that makes him want to stay. So that's why he's looking for the excuse of stealing his thesis idea. But why doesn't he just stay? Like I don't think Chidi himself. would. I don't think Chidi would mind if he just like. Well, hung this guy's around. got no spine. He can't make it. Um, yeah, I guess it's such it's a true. like spineful, spineless thing to go to your friend and be like, "I'm gonna steal your thesis." Also, you stole it from me. Yeah, because he also did it behind his back. He didn't come up and say he just essentially went to the church elders. Yeah. So in retrospect, why are the church elders so protective of their secrets if they knew they're going to kill all these people anyway? Like, why not? Like, yeah, take all the pictures you want. <laughs> I mean, not, you I, know? I could see not understanding how cell phone technology works or I mean, because they don't seem to have any of it. So yeah, but how easily go could... like it seems like from like 18 to 32, you go out into the world and have like this extended rumspringa where you get educated and. You partake oh, in the world. I thought that's like what that that phase is. Like from mm. one to eighteen, you're a child. From and they call it the pantsless phase. <laughs> from from eighteen to thirty two, you're uh you're in you're in summer. Rumsh pantsless. And then thirty two to what whatever eighteen years past past that, you are working age, and that's when you could give back to society. And then you go to the mentor phase, and at seventy two, you die. Okay. Um. So like. They, they have these people go out in the real world and use cell phones and computers and technology. And, like, mm-hmm. I often wonder, like, uh, are, do they have trouble getting people back? Like, uh, uh, like you got to bring uh, – uh, you can come back, but you got to bring two people to sacrifice to our village from your friend circle. It's, it's just such a weird cult. Maybe – and it's 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 weird. Maybe it's just like the ritual of it. Like it's just – you just don't do it yeah. because it's rude. Yeah. Also, they have an oracle. Yeah, they deliberately inbreed a severely retarded and physically disabled person that their whole job is to just scribble in a book that the elders can then interpret. But like, okay, I, it feels like it feels like your whole fucking compound is a exercise in inbreeding because there's yeah, cause what there's maybe gotta... fifty people there. That's not enough to sustain a healthy genetic diversity in right. mix. And what if this guy's sperm didn't take? What if he's sterile? Oh, but that's what they explain. Have- that's why they. That's the other reason they bring outsiders is so they can fuck their village girls and get that outside genetics and mix right. in there. So I guess they, that makes sense. Two people died. Uh huh. One woman may have gotten pregnant. Maybe if that worked. Right. If it worked, yeah. 
Just FYI, guys, every hey, time you have sex doesn't guarantee a baby. It does when the guy eats a a, a bloody fur burger <laughs> to fall in love, and you put the rune okay, under his bed, and she's drinking uh fucking acid mushroom tea. 100% fertility guaranteed in those circumstances. Yeah. What if at, he just. At the height of midsummer? Are you kidding me? What if he just like pretended to come so that he'd get the fuck out of there? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that works. Can I, can I go? Can I run around naked? Or now? what if he's just infertile? That happens. I know. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but she, she felt the baby immediately. So. That's the thing. Like, if this, if this. I'm jealous of the people that were able to suspend disbelief throughout the whole movie because if you can just go from scene to scene to scene, just like hereditary, tension builds and builds and builds and it just turns crazy. And if you're all in at the point where this movie turns crazy, then it's like a best case kind of wicker man. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a much better version of like the, not even the Nick Cage joke version, but the, the classic wicker man. Mm hmm. Uh, but like every single set piece, I had an ejection point where I'm like, nope, nope. I don't buy it. Nope. Or if the, the cult's too weird or these people's reaction to it is too weird and unnatural and forced. Um, people aren't seeing obvious danger <laughs> signs like, you know, people just disappearing one at a time under hysterical circumstances and the villagers like yeah. oh yeah person was sobbing and running away from us did you last saw uh it was just all misunderstanding we sorted her out and put her on a train she you was won't just see her again. on her, her period it's, it's, it's like there's some convenient excuse for everything but no yeah. i'm really i'm really looking forward to because i am going to read more about this movie i'm really interested in the symbology and the runes and all the hidden things that are there um, I'm sure it won't make me appreciate the story or their motivations for getting there anymore, but yeah. I do fucking love her serving May Queen realness <laughs> as he is paralyzed, burning to death inside of an unnecessarily killed bear, but hey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what did you think of how they ended that? No, like this is like such a... Like, you know, the video where Beyonce's walking down the street and she's exploding windows and destroying cars because she's mad because she had a bad breakup? Yes. This is like Maleficent's version of that video. Like, I'm going to sit here and my drugged out crown of beauty and make eye contact with you as you're encased in a bear suit, burning to death, burning alive. Yeah. As all these other people are just screaming madness around me. It's like... It like the ultimate psychotic dark girl fantasy of a breakup. Right. Oh right. Yeah. What have what did any of us learn? I don't date anybody that resembles anything in this movie. I, I, <laughs> and especially if they say, Hey, come to me for a Swedish midsummer festival, you say hard pass. I hard wish pass. <laughs> I just wish I'd seen this movie in the actual mids midsummer because I, it's too late to dress like her for Halloween tomorrow. Yeah, that would be a hell of a, a Halloween costume. Yeah, I'd be a good guy, a girl. One. I could, yeah, I could <laughs> do the bear, do, do the guy looking out from the slit open bear, and uh, you're wearing you're wearing the mountain of flowers. Yes, amazing. Next year. Next year. Okay. I'll add it to the list of awesome Halloween costumes <laughs> that we we'll never, never execute on. <laughs> Well, to anyone who's listening and did have that idea and they are going as that for Halloween, happy Halloween only to you. Yeah, send, tweet that shit. Share it on Instagram. We want to see it. Yes. Uh, but that that wraps up our Spooktacular uh, Volume 3. That's it. Of uh, Spooktacular 3. There's a couple of things that we missed this year because they're like Parasite is coming out tomorrow oh, after yeah, the Spooktacular is already over. Um, the... I can say for sure that the format of this is going to change again next year. So <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep rotating until we find loose. something that's sustainable and something that's like fun. I do <laughs> the think spectacular is more twist than a Shyamalan movie. The, the one thing I hope that we are able to do next year that, that I got feedback on, I think is a good idea is like, come up with the list and release it before we actually do the spectacular. So people can watch along if they want. Yeah. Yeah, just because I saw this as more of like a taste making for, but like people are like, oh, this is something like a book club, and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, right. I agree, I absolutely agree. But also, one of my because, favorite things to do about yeah. when I watch horror movies and thrillers specifically is I have a lot of ones that I want to see, and it depends on the mood. Like, because that's I, what that's why if just you want to watch a comedy, up. it's always going to be a comedy. Yeah, but you have to be like, I have have to have had a good day mm -hmm. <laughs> so this isn't gonna just make me want to kill myself or mm -hmm. 
which or this isn't going to solidify me breaking up with my boyfriend uh-huh. <laughs> because I watch this movie and I'm Your like, friend. I don't know. It's it's yes, we'll do better next year. Um, but I think maybe there's a way that we can like have the core reading list and then just let some wild cards so we can adjust. I more. did that. I threw out the core reading list in the forums. Oh, did you? Okay. But we'll try to make it more official. Yeah. Anyway. Any uh, feedback you have, you can send it to us. Yes. We will consider that for the next spectacular chapter four, which is we don't have a title for yet. We'll have to figure out what other. We've searched for spook and we'll see what's next. Yeah. What, what we're going to it's going to get rarefied air when you start getting into the fourth and fifth and sixth versions. We'll have to try, start Treehouse of te- uh, tearing it. Just go with Roman numerals. Yeah. Uh, spectacular Ivy. We'll just do runes, midsummer runes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll we'll work up to after the twenty fifth one. We'll purge your most evil ones by burning an MP three and effigy. All right. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on the spectacular. Hope you guys had fun. Have a very happy and very scary Halloween. Until the next time. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> Woo.